Welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business Podcast, where we explore the game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance and well-being in the workplace. If you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business, if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber, and if you want to be part of a revolution in human potential, then join us to discover the powerful resource that lives before our psychology. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. Uh, now today's episode, a little bit different because I've got two guests. Normally I have one, so special treat today. And we're here to talk about a new book. Um, before that, let me introduce my guests to the show. One is a regular, Helen Amory. She's been on the show ooh, three, four times probably. And the other guest is Sarah Priestley, who is the co-author of the new book. So Helen and Sarah, welcome to the show. Um, and can we start with you just giving listeners a, a minute or two about your backgrounds? Um, Helen, firstly, to remind people and Sarah, uh, because you're new to the show, and then we'll get and talk about this exciting new book. Um, that we want to explore. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Piers. Thanks for having us on. Um, so very potted history then, for those who haven't listened to the previous episodes, um, going from corporate HR into psychology-based coaching, into discovering peers <laughs> and working together one-to-one. So that was three of our episodes, was my uh, transformation journey back in 2018. And um and then this becoming my work. So with increasingly um, increasing depth and increasing understanding and increasing um, clarity, I guess, of, of how I want to share that with people. Um, and I remember you said, Piers, actually, the very early days of us working together, how this exploration is infinite. And part of me, actually, my heart sank a bit at that, going, oh, really? <laughs> There's not going to be an end point in a certificate that tells me I've made it. Um, but in fact, it is infinite and it's beautifully infinite because each time you see something more, see something more deeply, it's like, oh, wow, it's even nicer. It's even easier. It's even better. So, yeah, so that's where my experience is now. And and hence getting to this point of, of this book, which obviously we'll talk about more. Brilliant. Thank you, Helen. Well, welcome back. Uh, pleasure you. to have you. And um, and a new introduction to Sarah. <sighs> right. Um it's quite funny. I get asked to write bios or introduce myself all the time, and they're always different. Um, <laughs> my, I, I like Helen. I started in a in a corporate career. I was in consulting, big international, tiny corner shop boutique, and then a long career in corporate IT, which um, teaches you a hell of a lot about how businesses work. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I wanted even then was to for people to be happier. I had one excellent support guy. He never fixed a thing, but he made people feel great about them being <laughs> broken. And he was way more popular than the guy who could fix things, but made people feel bad about what they were doing to break it. Um, so eventually I finally managed to wrangle redundancy at a beautiful point, just as I was doing an advanced massage course. And massage is great for helping people feel better for a few days and two weeks later they're back with the same thing and I got bored and so I I started to try to work out well why does this happen and I I moved sort of upstream into teaching Pilates and that was great apart from people do one or maybe two hours of Pilates a week and 23 hours and six days a week they were doing exactly what they always did and so I fell into coaching completely by accident because literally people phoned me up and would say will you coach me 
And the first time I was like, I don't know. And by the third person, I, I was actually getting to the point where I could say, yes, I will do that. And this is how much it's going to cost. And so for me, it's been quite, it's been quite a joyful discovery for me as well, that this is the way that enables all kinds of effective, efficient, engaged ways of living. Mm. Mm. And I think what, what's beautiful is that, because uh, I've known you for a little while, Sarah, uh, how your understanding, grounding, and therefore coaching, like Helen, like mine, has evolved uh, over the years to, to, to where we're at now to talk about um, what you've now sort of encapsulated in in the book uh, and how that is if you're talking about going upstream from sort of massage to pilates to coaching you're getting quite upstream now um i don't know there's anywhere else to go but who knows it's infinite so um so this 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 is the moment we're at um so so let's so let's get into the book because I, I really want to help listeners understand um what this book could do for them because for, for regular listeners who, who have been um, following along with, with quality of mind. Um, I mean, occasionally we do little practical exercises on the, on the, on the podcast, but we're always sort of signposting saying, well, go and listen to this, go and do that. But here now is, is a wonderful resource that I think if people actually explored, it would probably make them help them really see what we're talking about with the quality of mind podcast in general. So, so that's why I want to talk about it. Um, so the book is called The Complete Book of Awakening. Now, why don't we start with the title and, <laughs> and, and you guys say, why did you call it that? <laughs> yeah, so it actually began life, Piers, being called The Little Book of Awakening. <laughs> and right. I had, because the, the idea had come to me first and, and yes, yeah, so I had this, this idea of a little book something that was um, compact and powerful and would would give people key explorations to do for themselves and would enable exactly what we've actually enabled with this book. Um, and it was just purely through its evolution. As Sarah and I came together and we shaped and adjusted and added and recognised bits that were missing from a particular section or um, it just, it grew. And, and it was when we were, so one of the things we did with the book was tested it with a live book group because we didn't want to send this book into the world untested. We wanted, really wanted that rigor. The whole, really all through the book is rigor. And so part of that process has been testing it with real actual people, both in that live book group and as independent test readers. And so we came towards the end of the, um, the live book group and, and one of the readers said, this is not a little book. This is a huge book, <laughs> huge because of the impact of it, huge mm. because of the, yeah, the transformative potential within it. And, and so that was the point at which Sarah and I then said, okay, so what's the, what's the real name for this book? What yeah. is, what is it really? And, and the word that felt right was complete because mm. it also of course brings in that sense of whole and mm. wholeness, which is all there is. Um, but it really is also complete because it, and people have said this who've read it, it does take you on the complete journey. People consistently are saying it leaves no stone unturned. It's, you know, it, it really is doing what it says in the tin. And, and I also want to add in, on, on the downside of the word complete, which sometimes means big, heavy, too, too hard to read, too long. It's not that either. Right. So just listeners, 
don't yeah. see complete and go gosh I don't want complete I, I need like intro no this is so accessible but let me ask you the other question then the second half of the title what is awakening Sarah do you want to speak to that one yeah yeah, yeah I, was, I was going to say yeah complete is simply for me it's like whilst you guys have talked about this being infinite and that that's lovely and expansive but also it's kind of quite nice to go oh look in the space of about 12 weeks I can have worked through this I can have seen it for myself and I can be at the point where I'm ready to say what does this mean in my life Mm. it's not a traditional kind of some sort of esoteric apprenticeship where after 40 years of sweeping floors and cleaning toilets you're initiated into the secret this is this is something that we're putting front and center and what we're putting Mm. front and center is awakening which is a difficult word but just because it's been misused a lot of places doesn't mean we shouldn't use it Mm -hmm. and it simply means seeing reality as it is it's as simple as opening your eyes Mm. seeing reality as it is and in life, in business, in relationships, if people saw reality as it was and started with reality as it is, most of their problems would really not be quite as problematic. Mm. That does beg, <laughs> I, I was, we were debating right before we press record, how deep are we gonna go on this podcast? Because um, it begs the question, well, am I not seeing reality as it is then? Do you not think that most people see reality through all the filters of their conditioned beliefs that they've built up over a lifetime of who they need to be in the world, who they have to be to be acceptable, the labels that they acquired, which could start off as wonderful, positive affirmations. People used to tell me I was clever that turned me into this degree collecting machine. Like my qualifications are boring. Like that, that's the level that they're at. Um, most of us live our lives through this filter of what we think we need, who we think we are and what we think we need to be okay. And that sounds a bit harsh, but it's not that I'm saying you guys are like that. We've all done it. We've all been there. We've all tried to start from somewhere we're not. Mm. And and it always fascinates me how invisible that is and still until you start to see it, i.e. awake, because mm. the, the system seems to be very good at making that look like that's what it is rather than stuff that we added in through conditioning. And I think that's the that's the the the, the nature of the system. So with with awakening, it's it's a reductive, subtractive Stri- so when you say reality as it is, it's stripping back the conditioning we didn't even know we were sort of <laughs> living in and mm. coming back to what the true essence of what we are, not even who we are, what we are. And then you see reality as it is from there. So it's it's a reductive, subtractive thing, isn't it? But it's so invisible to us. And, and the number of people, I'm sure you guys get this, that I work with and going, well, how did I not see this before? Or why were we not told? Or um, how come it's taken me decades to get there? Um, so so that's what, so, so awakening is pointing to sort of resetting the system, isn't it really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just picking up on some of that, Piers, as well, that subtractive and that um, mm. stripping away. What we've done in the book is look at that from both angles. So we've looked at it both, yes, the, the what what isn't really me, 
these labels that Sarah just talked about, the, the things that we've believed we are, the ways we believe we have to be, the things we think we have to avoid, the things we think we have to pursue. We've, yeah, we've, we've stripped away this stuff, but we've not left people hanging. In fact, we purposefully structured the book beginning with what you've just said about what we really are or who we really are. We've started with the foundation of recognise that which you are, which you've always been. Let's start with a strong, stable base of, of that reality. And then let's look at all this stuff that we aren't really, but we've taken to be who we are. And, and we really recognise that this process is really a dance between both of those always. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's, but you need both really. And, and, and as Sarah said about, you know, the old ways of doing this did involve being in communities where you had people around you who were there to support you if you were having an identity crisis. So we've written the book in the way it's written for that exact reason that we don't want people to be having sudden falls out of out of reality breaks from reality identity collapse you know we, we've done it on this in this way on purpose to provide uh, a solid ground to provide a uh, step by step again which is feedback we've had from people mm. who've read it people feel really held and taken through the process step by step very often saying oh the question I had at the end of that chapter was answered in the next one mm. you know it's it's and, and that's the completeness yeah. and and I think also what I want to say because um you know a lot of the, where we target this podcast is people in organizations the workplace leadership etc business and they might be thinking complete book of awakening with a swirly blue green co cover that's not the kind of book I read right <laughs> now I want to reassure uh, listeners and potential readers of the book that what this book has done is is de um <laughs> it, it's democratized it's made less esoteric less um you know strange vedanta tantra language and, and spiritualness um so you've you've despiritualized something that is fundamentally spiritual which in quality of mind language we call before psychology and made it as practical and as accessible. I mean, you don't need to know anything about awakening or spirituality or um, anything like that. You haven't had to have done a, a, a dot of yoga or been to an ashram or done anything <laughs> like that. Anyone could pick this book up. And if they explore it in the right way, they, 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 they will start to see what you're pointing to. So I think, I think that is, is, is so refreshing. Mm. Um, and, mm. and, 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 dare I say, needed in, in this category. In Ooh. fact, you know, the people who sometimes find this more simple, easier, aren't mm. the people who've spent years no. trying mm. to find peace of mind in a complicated yoga position in an ashram in India. They are the, the business person or the mother or the dog walker who pick it, pick it up, come into it really open and just go, oh, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it feels true. And when you said explore it in the right way, one of the things we embedded from the very beginning is, is I guess what you've talked about a lot about the, the bridge from before psychology through psychology to actually doing stuff in the world. And that's been our model from the very beginning that things have got to be true to somebody in 
introspection in just self-reflection it's got to be true at that level but it's got to be true logically so we've got to be able to extrapolate from that into like well if that's true then this and then the then this takes us into so that means that I can use it in the world this way I can see it in the world this way and we don't talk about that horrible word paradox because mm. paradox just means an unexplored apparent contradiction mm. which in the rigorous sense that i have of pure science it that means there's something to explore so we've looked all the way through at that that logical bridge that makes something that could sound a bit too spiritual for normal life really really practical yeah and i think that's a really interesting Thing that and what I've noticed in what I do in the work, if I think about it, is there's an element of what I'm I call direct inquiry, which you call self direct inquiry, where you explore your experience without belief system, just what in this moment appears, and and, and that is taking away all of the learnt concepts we have, and and that would be inquiry. Um, and we're not used to doing that. And it's a little unconventional to start with. But once you get into it, it's like, oh, I get this. But to start with, the, the thinking mind wants to come in and answer the questions. So that that takes a little bit for people to start to see the direct inquiry. But once they start to see the direct inquiry, there is also what you were pointing to, Sarah, which is an element of let's join the logic back up now. Right. And, and that might be a, a reflection, which, which is different to I think inquiry and reflection are different. So it's a reflection is kind of a um, an insight on the form an insight on my concepts, <laughs> whereas direct inquiry is just sort of going before the concept. So I think that the, the book does this, you know, you, you join the dots, if you like, from the direct inquiry piece, which is just let's just see what we can see without belief system. And then what does that mean using the logic of the conceptual mind? Now that's what occurs to me. Was that, is that was that in your intent? It sounds like it was. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something we've talked about in in the book. Is the three levels, if you like, of experience: conceptual, raw, and direct. Mm. And that that order, I've just said them in: conceptual, raw, and direct, is generally how people are walking around in the world, starting with conceptual, starting with ideas, starting with beliefs. And that's what um, we've called the muck on the lens to, to seeing that you are already this awakeness. And what we're doing throughout the book the whole time is flipping that order. So we're bringing you back into direct experience, back into raw experience, and then the conceptual mind can come in. Then the logic can come in that makes that can, can, you, can communicate this, that can make sense of it in this dualist, apparently dualistic world. So yeah, we we absolutely that's absolutely the intent of the book. Too. Can you um because I, I remember I asked you this question when I first yeah. got the manuscript of the book. Um can you describe for listeners again the difference between direct and raw? Yeah, so direct is what we can know without reference to anything. So without reference to any thoughts, without reference to any um of the five senses, just known. Known from like if you asked a two-year-old they would know without having to know anything, without having to learn anything. There's no requirement. There's no beliefs. It's just known. And then raw experience is our pure sensory experience. So that's the the sights, the sounds, the sensations. Um, and then there's conceptual. So what we tend to do is label the, the sensations and walk around with the label. So if, if I'm feeling angry, 
I'm walking around just going, God, I'm so angry, I'm angry, I'm angry. Whereas actually beneath that label, there's a bunch of physical sensations happening, which are being ignored in favour of the label, thinking that the label's somehow going to do something, solve something, change something. And that if I could just be angry enough, then I can surely make that person change their behaviour. Whereas actually what we're inviting people to do is come beneath that, come back to what do you actually know right here, right now, in your raw and direct experience, up, going upstream like you would talk about? Mm. Because that is then, that's being with reality as it is. Mm. And then clarity comes, then different experiences come, then, yeah, then we might have a different understanding of what we were labelling anger before. And and that known word is, is, is a little trickster sometimes for people because known is the first part of the word knowledge. So people mm-hmm. think known means, oh, yes, I know that, as in um, I know Paris is the capital of France, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's not what you mean by known, is it? So when you say in direct experience, which is before raw and before conceptual, just say a little bit about what you mean by known. Yeah, Sarah, do you want to speak to that one? Yeah, um the thing about words is everybody has meanings that they've added to them and we've tried to be as close as we can to common uses as words as we can and aware and known are kind of useful words from that perspective but you're right that most people as soon as you ask if they're aware they say aware of yeah (laughs) and they're immediately looking for another thing and that's not surprising because humans you know as humans we relate we do everything in relationship to the world to other people to our processes our structures but when we talk about this it can kind of scare people and I think that this is one of the reasons why there's been this kind of divide between you know the the before psychology and the the so-called real world is because it can feel like oh without all that motivation pushing me on I'm not going to get anywhere so it can feel like we're taking away something that's essential Mm. and I think that part of the book is to prove the things we thought were essential aren't and the things we overlooked yes are essential so when we come to that word no it's the lightest possible use of it it it's saying that is something that you know about yourself that you never learnt that you mm-hmm. didn't see in a mirror, that you didn't read in a book, that nobody else ever told you. And you said there, oh, I know Paris is the capital of France. Like, show me the actual physical mm. edge of France. Mm. That it's, um, you know, it's one of those ancient jokes is trying to map the coast of Norway as an example. The more you map a coastline, the ever-increasing detail it that is a an infinite task it it gets smaller and smaller mm. in space that is literally no division it's a political line on a map the edge of france it's a geographic label mm. and it's really useful because if you mm. want to go to paris to have lunch for your birthday mm. you know it really helps to know how to get there mm. and it really helps to use the same name that other people use for it apart mm. from the people who live there don't call it paris they call it mm. paris um mm. so when you say oh but even that's a label the things that you actually know really know that you did not pick up from somebody or something else 
once we say this, promise you, this really is not going to leave you with nothing. This really is not going to leave you in this vacuous void. It does waken up, oh, there is a possibility there's something I know that I did not learn, like the extra bit, the knowledge. Let's take the ledge bit away. There is something I know. And it's tiny. It's simple. And mm. that's why it gets overlooked. But it's mm. it's what's in every single sentence that you start with, I. Mm. I, I know about this. We just bring it back to really to who we are. Mm. And when you talked about what we are, we bring it back to the fact that our core capability is to know experience, or we can even drop that word. Our core capability is to experience and is to engage in that experience, mm. whatever that experience is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's that's the bit to point to, which for a lot of people before they come across that doesn't sound like there's anything there. It's like, well, there can't be anything there. You know, everything's after that in a, in a way. And, and and another way of describing it, which may be helpful or unhelpful, is it's almost not an experience because mm. it's the it's the bit that experience comes from and it's inside every experience anyway. So you can't really find it separately because it's it's merged and mingled in with us thinking feeling and perceiving and we're just i guess trying to isolate it just so well that's the only bit that never comes and goes that's the eternal bit and at the lightest sense of the word as you say so you you know that or you're aware of that or you sense that or whatever but but the you that's sensing is also usually part of the experience as well <laughs> depending on which you were talking about anyway so what the, the book, I think, does very nicely, as you say, it tells you, it unpicks what we think we are, but we're not. And then it says, well, if you get rid of all of that, that's not some dystopian nihilist kind of, oh, no, you know, I need all that. Otherwise, what's the world going to do? No, 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 no. What you truly are behind all that is 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 wonderfulness or the potential for wonderfulness or, or, or peace, whatever. So you're not left with nothing. So you, you do, you do the both sides of the coin, um, which I think is great. Um, and, you know, in a way, some people who might know a little bit about this could start the book halfway through. Right. I mean, I wouldn't suggest that for people who, who are, who don't you know, because you could just start that. Um, and I think it would give some nice insights into what they've already experienced in non-duality and spirituality so far so i think this book's for the total novice and, and newcomer and for someone who's been banging around this for, for decades um uh mm. because it i mean the only thing you'd have to be if you've been banging around this stuff for decades you'd have to you, i think simplicity is just such a it's, it's i always say this stuff simple but not easy um but it's so simple which is what makes it not easy um <clears throat> So it's best not to try to know really and just come at it. Mm, come at it fresh. Yeah. yeah. And we've had feedback from both those groups, if you like, that, that you've talked about there. So we've had feedback from people who are brand new to it, who've said, wow, it's, yeah, it is so accessible. It's so easy to access. And those who've been in, in an exploration and like Sarah was talking about before about the logic that this offers, it provides something which, which kind of felt uncertain before you know, there was sometimes we can be in, in an exploration where it's like oh yes I, I have this sense that there's something lovely and full of potential and incredible this this um, this something that's a nothing that I really am 
but there's there can sometimes and this was my experience there was kind of a, a a shakiness to that knowledge there was a do I really know it though have I just learned these words off the people I've been learning with or co- been coached by and so what people who've been more practiced in this kind of exploration have said is that it, it fills in that gap for them it kind of completes the puzzle because it's like oh yes this gives me a really unshakable recognition mm. I can actually see it for myself I'm not having to rely on the person who says you've got everything within you that you need <laughs> it's like oh oh no really yeah like, really and, and I'm going to say what one thing about that you see and, and we were joking before it shouldn't really be a book this because you will get that from this book, but not as you re- not if you read it like a book. Yeah. But, and I'm, what I mean yeah. by that yeah. is like like a book you take on holiday and just flick yeah. through when you or you know like a recipe book and just go oh well, you know that you, you need to actually do what the book says. Yeah. Or Absolutely. or so explore. I mean you know yeah. or or the, or the audios that you've got you know because that's where the rubber hits the road. Otherwise, it will just be some more words. They're nice words and they're clear words and they're not fancy words. They're not esoteric. They're, they're great words, but you and it might just sound really obvious and patronizing to say you've you've but no but really mm. and i i think I, I don't know what you find but people nowadays are quite good at reading for gist right and i always put like a i was doing a keynote yesterday and i put it at the beginning of it i put a big sort of warning sign saying don't listen for gist i mean it's fine but you won't get anything out of yeah, it yeah, yeah. listen for gist yeah you you yeah. You, you you've got to get hold of the book number one buy the book that's in, that'll be important part of it then you've got to actually explore it yeah and it's more of an explore than a read isn't it would, would that be a, yeah. i don't know what language you would use but you've got yeah. to have, give it a go no absolutely that and we set out with that intention of it being a workshop in a book mm. and again which one of the the original book groups said part, we hadn't said that to the group up front mm. But a few weeks through, they were like, oh, my God, this is like a workshop. This is like it's it's all contained in here. It's all mm. it's all. Yeah, it's all laid out step by step. So, yes, it is. And I think to your point, you know, people can read it through and, and yeah, and they will get a gist. And and either that's um, because that's all that's right for them right now. And then mm. perhaps they'll come back to it later and go deeper. But yes, absolutely. The difference is when you genuinely engage and, and, and explore. Well, what would you say if someone starts reading it and gets a little bit of what I I might call that they might not spot it as this is resistance? What 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 would you sort of point to that? What would you say about that? Oh, that that definitely happens. Um, I some of our book group turned up certain weeks and said, "I don't like you anymore." <laughs> because we're talking that little bit before psychology, we are talking about our sense of identity. And when we've been very wedded to a lot of concepts and labels about who we are and what we're doing, it can feel like taking away the stuff that isn't essential, not taking it away totally, but just saying, you do know that's not essential to who you are, mm. can feel like it's slightly threatening who you are. And that's why we've kept that balance all the way through. And when somebody hits a tiny bit of resistance, good, that's nice. Mm. But it's like, mm. it, it's actually a sign in itself of waking up. It's like, oh, I can really feel that. That annoys me. Mm. Like, mm. 
how often in life do we get that feeling when we think, oh, that's a bad thing? Mm. This isn't about like massive anxiety. We're not talking about like existential crisis or midlife crisis. We're just saying, yes, yeah, some of it will annoy you a little bit the first time mm. through. That's okay. Mm. It, it, it's, I, I, I agree. For that kind of resistance, I love, I, I was doing this keynote yesterday and someone, the question from the floor was, what? Always? 100%. You're saying 100% this is how it works. I'm like, yeah. And they were like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Right. And, and you could tell it was, it was a lovely piece of like, they weren't like having a go. They were just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on a minute. Now I'm listening. It was almost like now you've got my attention. You're not just saying this is blah, 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 blah. You're saying this is how it works. Wow. Right. So there is that kind of resistance. But also I was thinking when I was asking about the kind of resistance people might have to doing the direct inquiry in the way that you're suggesting, right? That that people can, I mean, sometimes it's beautiful, isn't it? You do direct inquiry and you just fall into it. You dissolve and evaporate into it and you can lose time and it's beautiful. And sometimes it's, I don't know, with direct inquiry, some people just go, well, I, 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 I can't find it. I don't know what's going on. And you just keep saying the same thing, you know, that, that, that kind of resistance. Mm. <laughs> Maybe mm. that's just the way I do it. I get kind of saying that sometimes. But what, what would you say about that if someone's trying to get into the direct inquiry way and they're just, they, they, they don't think they can do it? I'm, I don't mm. know if I can do it properly, they might say. Am, am I doing it properly, this thing? Mm. What am I meant to find? You know, yeah. how would you answer yeah. that? I, I would I would just reiterate what Sarah said. It's just, it's really the same thing. It's the and it's the it's the attachment to the labels. It's attachment to the conceptual ideas. It's the attachment to um, what I think I already know. So quite often people have come up with questions around, oh, but the brain's the brain's doing this, or neuroscience says this, and or no, my my experience really does change in this situation, and it's like yes okay and let's come back to what you know right now because the resistance is just a, a factor of going off into the mind and off into stories and off into ideas and it's as was said before that's how we've been trained that's how society is currently primarily running so yes. it is a shift it is i think we said in the book didn't we sarah it's about exercising a muscle mm. that we've not exercised mm. so the same as when you go to the gym and start lifting some weights it feels uncomfortable. It doesn't mean mm. it's wrong to do it. Mm. It just feels uncomfortable because you're doing something you've not been taught to do. You've not been, it's not our society's way. And hopefully that's changing. But so, yeah, so that resistance is absolutely fine and perfect and great because it's, it's a normal part of the process. It's a normal part of shifting your identification back into who you are instead of into all the content. And, and so, yeah, resistance will come up. And it's, as Sarah said, it's not a problem. It's a great sign that this exploration is just rubbing up against something that you've attached to and identified as necessary in order for you to be okay. Yeah, and even in this, in this field, people build an idea of what they think direct experience is. Oh, it's going to be this bliss. Mm. It's going to be like a, a silent retreat on a mountaintop with the perfect food being served and the pool and... And they, they have this idea of what it should be. Oh, it should be a spiritual experience. It should be religious. It should be blissful. It should be beautiful. All the colours should merge into a, a Monet-style picture or something like my background here, um, which is sort of that same blurry blues and colours. And, and I should love everybody unconditionally and I should see my own kids no different to any other child in the world. Mm. And... and 
that's all stuff they've learned about spirituality and religion. Mm. And the moment somebody tries to have somebody else's direct inquiry experience, mm. it's not direct inquiry anymore. Mm. 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 And and it's funny because the ones on the videos tend to be people who have had that more of that experience so mm. that, so their reference point is oh this person in the video is saying how they fell into bliss and all that kind of stuff and and that's the one maybe they've read about or seen to so think well why where, where's my that and and as you say we're not saying that at all that may happen for some people who knows you know um but it's not the point even if it did that's not the point mm. the, the point mm. isn't to have a night this isn't a way of getting a nicer experience ultimately in life that may happen but the, the direct inquiry is not chasing a feeling or a contact high or, or, or a nice way to get to bliss. You're just, you're just exploring something. You're exploring mm. this, what, what we are before thought, perception, yeah. sensations, you know, feeling, et cetera. That's all you're doing. Yeah. Um, not trying to find anything. Um, bliss is optional. Well, you know, symptomatic if it happens, but it, it, it's funny. You're, you're right. It's, it's what people think should happen when they read a book about awakening. Mm, yeah and so we point to that over and over again in the book as well we we're very clear about it at the start that the only goal is to recognize your essential nature and the minute there's any kind of goal that says but it should be feeling nicer by now but I want a nicer life but I want a bliss experience any of that stuff we've gone off into a different goal and so it's always coming back to know just the exploration for the sake of the exploration and so I'll said, ask you a question you probably wish you hadn't set me up to ask you. How do oh, you know when you've reached your central nature? Uh, it, it, there's a settledness. There's an mm -hmm. okayness. There's a... And it's different for different people. Some people will be more ecstatic and some people will be more peaceful and some people will feel more energised and some people will feel more relaxed. So mm. we've tried to use that sort of settledness as a like a a generic trying to find the lead we've used a lot of different words yeah you know like <laughs> and I had a long corporate career and you know how people talk about holidays you know mm. that it's like oh I've got my holiday coming up and I'm going I'm going to this mountain resort skiing or I'm going to this beach and it's going to be brilliant and I'm going to relax and I'm going to feel like myself again after all these work demands what we're trying to bring to people is that sense of oh I feel like me again mm. like being a five-year-old again but mm. with all the knowledge and experience and skills and finances yeah. that you've built up over that time and if somebody can go about their day-to-day -day life life business whatever with inbuilt sense of that oh, I just feel like me again that they have when they're a on their holiday, on their mountaintop, whatever it is, then whilst that's not a, a goal, it is a marker. I yeah, was going to say indicator. side effect, but it's not. It's a marker. Quite mm. often, and this is not just our opinion, this is the science of it, and that's why we provide one of the simplest measures. It's a 20-something question survey that you can do now at the beginning of the book, at the end, at any point. And it measures that settledness or happiness or fundamental well-being at a really basic level. And it's not a goal, but it is a more or less consistent marker of, of that. Yeah. And it's yeah. not about 
relationships or external success it's it's a very low level measurement and people do have a better experience of life not because life changes but because they're engaging with it in a very real way mm. and and i i think i think that's nicely put because i think you know it's it is a settledness and it's a good word but it's, there's an aliveness too i mean it's all different different people different words but there's a there's a feeling like of just is with life Mm. And but there's there's also that lovely sense of potential and like well, sort of aliveness to 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 be in life, whatever that might bring. So it's not a settled in. Oh, I've settled. You know, <laughs> here I am, the sofa <laughs> and me. We've settled. Um, <laughs> um, there's just a a lovely knowing that there's you're being lived by nature to use use another phrase and. And, you know, if I segue this into business now, so why do I talk so much to businesses about this, what you're pointing to in your book? Is it because it it creates such the fertile ground to go into the world of business and the workplace without all your noise and baggage and, and, and striving and what turns up from there isn't, oh, yeah, well, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to go and live on top of a mountain is no, you engage with life in it and work and, and whatever your objectives are for your venture in a, in a fresh, invigorated, inspired, connected, resilient, creative way. So it is the most perfect thing for the business world. Um, and I've been noticing, and of course it's my own echo chamber, that people have been sort of spotting and waking up to that over the last five, 10 years. And there's a little bit of a dissatisfaction with what's currently going on. I mean, Helen, you mentioned just someone posted on your your thing on LinkedIn this morning about, you know, they read the book and they're going, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. The current things aren't working so well. And maybe this book is pointing to a new way. Mm. Uh, and that's just a, a leadership coach who, who, who who's obviously been around for a while, being sort of just, I guess, s- having to do with what they knew was available. But now there's something new to look at. And they're like, oh, wow, could this be yeah. the new way? Yeah. Yeah. And as, as he said, it's it's really making sense of something he kind of intuitively knew that there was something about the way change management was being done or behavior management was being done. Something didn't feel right about it. And so the book is, is is giving him that, again, that logic, that understanding, that direct experience of why it didn't feel right and yeah. and why his intuition was correct that the often coercive or fear-based change and behaviour change programmes that we engage in, they're not in alignment with our essential nature. They're not in alignment with who we really are. And so, yeah, this book is consi- consistently pointing us back to that and to why so many things have felt wrong in the world but as you say peers we given we haven't had lots of people around us saying oh yeah look over here this is why it's been feeling like that come and come and engage in this exploration which will make sense of it all for you we've not had that and as you say increasingly now hopefully but um yeah now that this is available and we can point people to it Mm. yeah there is something else there is another way and it's Mm. amazing yeah and And i think think of those books about you know, the ones about changing workplace culture, you know, the ones that turned up on our desks from time to time. Um, 
who moved my cheese fish was yes. my favorite actually i liked fish a lot more than the cheese book and somebody's trying to make me read a business development book at the moment and it's so it feels so much like going back to the dark ages of mm. you need to have this mantra and you like by the time you've done all the things you have to do you'd probably be 80 and mm. wondering mm -hmm. how to apply them all and um what happens so often or what has happened in the past is some of those gentler business books, people have gone, oh, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. I'm going to make my team do that. Mm. And so we're just taking the, the step before. And then a lot of the knowledge and skills and experience people have built up fall into place. And they're like, mm. oh, now I get how I use that in a way that's not only more aligned with what works for me but it's going to be more effective too and that's mm. kind of nice that we're creating this platform where a lot of the old stuff becomes really relevant in a new way yeah yes and you exactly so it's not like you throw all the business mm. tools and strategies and methodology out the window they just come back with a new light that they, 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 they oh that's what that matrix is useful for or what that's what that process or thing is useful for yeah i see that now but you see it totally differently to mm -hmm. before to start with this it's like a shredding of everything isn't there there's sometimes a little bit of recalibration where you're just like well, i don't want anything for the moment i'm gonna get my mind to get clear and then you come back and you start to see all your stuff differently most of them fall away the tools and techniques and things but the odd one you're like oh i can sort of see this and i think it's a new platform, as you, as you say, Sarah. And I think there's a, you know, your, your book is the start of a new breed. What yours and Catherine's, I'd say, you know, selfless leadership, I think she's been on the show a couple of times. You know, you know it's it's a, a new way of looking at the business world from a very, very different start point. Now, what I would also urge listeners and potential readers to do is don't try and make this book additive to what you know already it will it will you'll, you'll struggle with that it won't really work it will annoy you if you try to go well how's this fit well i know i would start from just don't know anything the six-year-old position mm. you know and look at it from there and then later on all the stuff you do know will come back in as, as, sarah, as sarah said um okay so we're going to try and make a little bit of a shorter episode so do you guys want to put a bow on this what would you like to say uh to sort of wrap this up what would be what would you like to be your parting um bow on this for me it's feeling like reiterating what you've just said peers around coming to it fresh coming to it with a beginner's mind <clears throat> coming to it without um without needing to fit into what you already know. Now, I know when I started with you, I spent my whole first session pretty much saying, oh, this is like that psychological model or the other side or this leadership approach or, and you very patiently were like, well, a bit, but no, a bit, but no. And so I'd invite people to just cut out that process. <laughs> so the, the mind might do that. The mind might um, try and compare and try and fit this into what's already known. And so I guess the invitation then is to just recognize that that's happening, recognize that's not what's gonna uh, really make the biggest difference. And each time that's happening, it's just coming back to, okay, let's just come back to the book as it is. Let's come back to this exploration as it is. And, and just temporarily put down all that stuff I think I already know about leadership, about change, about people, about behavior, whatever all that stuff is, just temporarily set it to the side while you engage 
as you've said, as a six-year-old with the content afresh. Mm. Sarah? I would just say, if you can treat the book a little bit like a fairground ride, okay. and yeah, it's a few weeks, not a few minutes, but you you get on it, you're going to be twisted and shaken a little bit, but it's going to be fun. And at the end of it, you're going to have a different perspective because you've seen things differently. Now, if you wanted to, you can just literally put the book down and go, thanks. Chances are you're going to want to explore a bit more, particularly in seeing what makes sense in life business with it. Mm. But yeah, I'd say just like approach it as something that's fun mm. and enjoy the ride, go with it, engage with it, like, you know, lift your hands off the bar and scream mm. and <laughs> yeah. come out the end going, ah, oh, yeah, I do see some stuff differently. And the infinite part is the exploring, like, what do I do with this now? Mm. And, and also it occurs to me that for some people who, who are busy and strive is, is give yourself permission to read a book that may not at first look have a direct practical impact. I mean, it will, it will, ch it can change everything for the next 10 decades of your life, but, but it would, it isn't like I can read one chat and suddenly I, I'm going to implement an idea tomorrow. So, but give yourself permission to do what we don't normally do, which is to look at something which is foundational. Um, and, and when I say permission is give yourself the time to indulge if, if, if it feels like that for people in something that is going to be, um, you know, the, the, the new way of seeing lots of stuff and, and be open to that. And, and the hit may not come on the first, first few chapters or whatever it may, it, it probably could do, but just allow yourself to do that because the worst that could happen is, is, is you waste, was it 9.99? I don't know what, how much of the book I don't <laughs> Uh, 17.22 on in paperback right you waste a few quid and you waste a bit of time the best that could happen listeners is <laughs> really everything could start to look quite different in life and work now that's got to be worth a shot hasn't it mm -hmm. um it's a very easy way to dip your toe in for the sake of a few minutes a day and the way we've structured it you can just you can show up you can do one exploration it's yeah. so a few minutes a day yeah. a couple of months later you know yeah and when you take all the pressure off of needing to do something with this you tend to get the best yeah actual exactly results anyway exactly so yeah so give yourself permission just to hang out in it and enjoy the fairground ride um and you've also got just to say to listeners there's, there's the audio resources which is all the direct experience exercises thought experiments broken down by um little five minute audio segments uh which is great as well so some people love reading some people like listening or both so it, it's it's not just a book mm, yes. i mean that i'll say that as my last part i think it's not just a book in many many, many aspects <laughs> physically it's not just a book but all you know in terms of it is yeah so um i i really hope the book does phenomenally well because um well it's, it's it's right up my street as you know um and i'm, I'm so glad you've written it that you, you you're better than i am at writing books um i i seem to talk a lot but but i'm so glad this book exists because i think it will 
it'll be helpful for people um, massively. So guys, thank you so much for A, writing the book and B, coming and joining us on the podcast. And I'm assuming you'll be very happy for me to put all the details in the show notes and people to contact you. Uh, well, what's the best way to do that? Because I know you have many, many, many appearances <laughs> on, on things. How do you like people to contact you? So probably the best place is the home of the book, which is thoughtfulraven.co.uk. And yeah, yeah. which that's the place where you've just referenced peers, where there's free resources, including those audios. Um, longer term, we'll also have a self-study course in there for those who prefer to have a bit more around the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we'll, first of all, promote um, ongoing book groups. So we know that some people like that coming together. So where you said about indulging in the time, sometimes that permission is made more possible by, mm. oh, I'm going to a book group. I'm going to meet with people every week for this number of weeks. And it provides that structure and it provides a bit like exercise classes, you know, we're so yeah, much better. So, it brings a social every... element, it brings a structure, it brings a sort of discipline to the time, doesn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the kind of main place to go to. And obviously, yeah, there you can contact us as well through there. Um, just to add as well, we've got a journal that goes with it. So um, both the book and the journal are available on Amazon. But the journal provides us a, a place to write what you're recognising, what your questions are, what's coming up, um, all structured in alignment with the book, with the questions and with additional questions to help that um, that journaling process, so that people can um, yeah benefit from 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 both aspects. That That's a little added yeah. tool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, listeners. Get curious. Um, check the book out and. As always, we'd love to hear any any feedback, comments, observations, challenges, insights, whatever. So as usual, have fun being curious and catch you in the next episode. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more, check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious.